So moms, before you leave, we do have a gift for you, so don't forget to get that when you go out. But um, I am actually, my, the title of my sermon today, and I think Taylor's pulling that up, and it's called Jesus, Moms, and the Gospel. Jesus, Moms, and the Gospel. Moms, you are awesome and amazing, and we thank God again for you. Um, for some, though, mom represents pain and hurt. And that's a reality that some people have lived through. Um, I, I want to encourage you today that Jesus sees your pain and he desires to heal your heart. And as we look at the Gospels even, we're going to see how he was acquainted with our sufferings. The Bible says that he's acquainted with our grief. And some here... The idea of motherhood may, again, might have a painful memory of, of, of whether it's neglect or rejection. Maybe your mom rejected you. Maybe you have endured abuse. That's very, it's a very real story for a lot of people. Maybe your relationship with your mom was very fractured. Maybe you're here and you lost a child. A miscarriage, which is very, very real. Or a child died. Maybe you're here and you went through an abortion. And whatever that is that you have a sense of loss and a sense of regret. Well, again, I, I think you're in the right place today because I, want, I, I believe that Jesus wants to speak to you, wants to heal those places in your heart. And so I wanted to just kind of set that up um, because a lot of times we think of Mother's Day and moms, but this, this can be a very painful day for some. And we need to be praying for them and, and, uh, and encouraging them. I also want to just kind of take a sidestep and say, spiritual moms, we need you. And maybe that's whether you did not have children or maybe you're, you're an older woman in the faith and uh, you're, you have you know, grandkids, maybe great-grandkids, but you are not done yet. We need spiritual moms in the house of God. Paul told Timothy, he, he, he said, I want, I want to instruct the older women to train and nurture and mentor the younger women in the, in the faith, in the Lord, in their marriage. We need spiritual moms in the house of God. Because we are seeing a generation of people that are coming and they're, they're searching and they might come into our church and, and, and I pray that they will. I pray that searching, hurting, broken people will come in here because this is the place they need to be. Because we're all broken and need Jesus desperately. And they need spiritual moms to be praying for them, encouraging them. And so spiritual moms, we need you. If you're, again, an older woman in the house here, we, we, we need you to be encouraging the younger women and praying for them. It's interesting how motherhood and the Godhead are tied together. And you might ask how. But in the beginning, God had a purpose for creating male and female in his image. In Genesis, he's male and female. He created them. There was a distinction. And both are image bearers of God. Man was created first, and then out of man came Eve. It's a good day for Adam. But they both are image bearers of God. And some say, and, I, and I, I, actually my, my mother-in-law who passed away in 
96, she wrote a book kind of in tying this together, but some say that, that women would have the traits, some of the traits of the Holy Spirit, the nurturing, the counseling, the teaching aspect of the God of the, the Holy Spirit, but we are all created in the image of God. And so when we're functioning as we are supposed to, when moms are functioning as they are supposed to, they reveal the very nature and the image of God. So women, moms, you are created in the image of God to reveal God through your life and how God has made you. And here's a challenge, moms, how you mother reveals God's heart to people. Just like a dad, and we hear the, the idea of a father heart of God, that as a dad fathers, it reveals the heart of God. But as you mother, it reveals the heart of God also. And motherhood is a high calling. Moms that, uh, you know, and... and, and Moms are all over the place. There's, there's career moms and there's stay-at-home moms and, and, and everywhere in between and part-time moms. And that, wh- whatever God's called you to do, that's wonderful. But if you're a stay-at-home mom, don't ever just say, I just stay at home. Because uh, if, if you've ever seen the breakdown of what you deserve to be paid, it's, it's like one of the, it, it'd be like the highest on the high, high end of the pay grade. We got counselor, doctor, nurse, lawyer, judge. <laughs> you guys are encompassing quite a, a quite a quite a load there. But we honor you if you whatever whatever your calling is as a mom. But it's a high calling. But this morning we're going to look at three passages of scripture where Jesus interacts with moms and how motherhood is tied to the gospel. Yes, it is tied to the gospel. And I want to tell you today that Jesus loves moms. He really does. Jesus loves moms. We will see a bit of what God may be speaking to our moms and, and again, to all of us today, not just to the moms, but do you believe that all Scripture is sovereignly put there by God to reveal and illuminate Christ to us? Do you believe that? And isn't it interesting that sometimes we get these passages of Scriptures or a story in the Gospel, and you go, why that one? Because even... Jesus' teaching and miracles, the Gospels don't contain all that he taught or all that he did. I think John is the one that said there would be not enough books to record it all, all the things that he did. And so, God in his sovereignty, we have the scriptures as they are. And do you ever come across some of the stories in the Gospels specifically and you go, well, why that story? Specifically of, of this, is, is this is a very interesting thing. Why are we told, and why did Jesus perform, the first miracle that he did was to turn water into wine? If you want a good answer on that, my wife wrote an awesome article in the newsletter, so that's a little plug for her, and I thought it was very fantastic. Isn't it interesting that in the sovereignty of God, the first miracle that Jesus does is turn water into wine, and we are told the story? Anybody else curious about that? You ever read that and go, why that one? Why not raising someone from the dead or something like that? But it's not there by accident or chance. And, and Jesus reveals something about himself. And we, are, we have the gospel, we have Christ revealed in these stories. And so we're going to look at three passages. First one is from Mark chapter 10. It'll be up here on the screen. We'll go there. We might want to turn one of those lights off. It kind of is so that 
Whatever one is on that screen, that would be great. Not that one. Work your way down there. One of those will get off that screen. There it is. Thank you. Mark 10. Let's open our hearts to what Jesus is saying through these passages. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That means he was mad. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then he gives them a teachable moment in verse 15. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he's placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Isn't that a beautiful story? I love that story about Jesus. The heart of Christ toward these children. So what is, what is God speaking? What, and, and I'm just going to look at several things that stand out in this story. The first is that these people, look, most likely they were moms, dads, may have, may have been there, but I, I have to believe that most likely the majority of these people that were bringing the, uh, the kids to Jesus were moms. And moms will do anything for their kids. The mama bear syndrome. But I love their boldness to approach Jesus so that he would bless them. There's Jesus. We have our kids. We are taking our kids to Jesus. And I love their boldness. And then you have this exchange that disciples are saying, don't bother the teacher. Don't bother the master. Why did that happen? Why did the disciples scold these, these moms and say, you know, don't, don't do that? They weren't mean guys. And, you know, perhaps I like to think that they were trying to protect Jesus' time and energy. Sometimes Jesus would get tired and sometimes he would withdraw to be alone with the Father because the crowds would press around him with, with their needs. And so maybe, maybe that was it. We're not told, but maybe they were just trying to protect Jesus' time and energy. But Jesus got furious with them when it says indignant. And that's just a nice word of saying he was really ticked. Because at times he was saying, you guys are missing this thing. These children, this, if, if you can understand the faith of a child, you're going to understand the kingdom. And so the second thing that is Jesus revealing the how-to and receiving the kingdom of God gives the disciples and gives the people around there a little teachable moment in his anger. Because he would look at children and he saw them as a great example of faith. Because there's nothing like the faith of a child. Many of you know that little kids, I, I love their faith. And we would sometimes say they're a bit gullible because they'll believe anything. But there's just something huge about their faith that is so pleasing to God. The wonder and the awe of things. And we're learning this again afresh and anew. I shared this a few weeks ago with Judah. When we're out and about, I mean, now the tractors are going, he's going crazy in our car. Oh, ah! You know, I mean, he's yelling out and just pointing to everything. It's just all, just everything is awe and wonder and whoa, you know, it was a big truck. Big! That's one of his new words. Big! And I love his awe and his wonder and what we can learn from children. 
God, please remind us to have a faith like a child. Because it's easy when we get older to get cynical and bitter and miss out on the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I want to see the cross and I want to see his love with the eyes of Judah. Oh, big. That love is big. And we can get so cynical and, and get so caught up into the cares of this world and, you know, or that's just what we do. And yeah, I've heard that a million times and whatever. And God help us to keep the faith of a child. And in fact, Jesus has some sober words there. Don't miss it. Because he says, if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you will not enter it. That's a very sobering statement that Jesus makes. Don't let that just pass over you that you've heard that before. Because Jesus says, well, if you lose the wonder and the awe and you've gotten bitter and cynical, be careful. You can miss the kingdom. God, help us. Help us to have the faith of a child. The third thing that stands out is that these moms knew the source of their greatest blessing for their kids. It was Jesus. We're going to bring them to Jesus because he is the source of the greatest blessing that our children could ever have. Moms, today, let this be an encouragement and challenge to you that no matter where you're at in life, no matter where your kids are, whether your kids are very young or maybe they're old and they've gone and maybe you have grandkids, you can still bring your kids to Jesus every day. Now, obviously, when they're young, that we are admonished in Scripture to train them in the ways of God and we can bring them to Jesus and tell them about Jesus and more than telling them about Jesus, that we can live as an example to, of Christ to them. But even if they are gone, we can pray for them and we can bring them before Jesus because he hears. One of the great promises of Scripture says that Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, so he hears our prayers. And moms, when you pray for your kids, those do not fall on deaf ears. God hears those prayers. And you have an opportunity every day to bring your children to Jesus. Jesus, touch them, bless them, draw them, encourage them, and place them in his hands. Maybe you're here today and you've blown it as a mom. You've made mistakes. And I know that everyone says, well, yeah, hello. I mean, there's no perfect parent. And don't we have regrets as parents? Wish we could do it over. Don't, don't you wish there was a do-over button? I used to think about that until the Lord kind of rebuked me. Because I was uh, having a time where I just, I really felt under a lot of just mental attack and regretting things of the past and just saying, oh, man, if I'd have done that differently. And God, I, man, I, and I was feeling so down. And, 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 and in that, I started kind of having this, well, if I could go back and change, you know, if God, you ever do that? Or I'm on the, uh, am I the only weirdo here? Um, you know, I was thinking, if God could let me do five things differently, three things differently. You ever done that? Process that? 
And then I began to revisit those five things or so that I would change, and I would go back and and hit the do-over button. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to stop doing that because that removes my power and it removes my grace from your life. Then you don't need my grace. Then you just need a do-over button. Allow me to wash, allow me to redeem the past, allow me to heal the past because we all have regrets, we all have shame, but we serve a Savior who wants to redeem that and heal that. Don't lose that today. Don't live in do-over mode, moms. Receive his new mercies today, his compassions, they fail not And we can, in Christ, we start new today. Isn't that great? You don't get that from anywhere else. If you blew it, you repent where you blew it, but then you receive his forgiveness. You allow him to free your heart from guilt, condemnation, and regret, and then you move forward. Like Paul says, I forget what lies behind, and I press on, because none of us get to do over. But we do have a choice if we're going to hang on to it or not. Don't hang on to that. And here's the cool thing at the end of the story is Jesus longs to bless your kids. And so they, the moms bring, you know, the disciples, they have this, you know, trying to keep the kids away, and Jesus rebukes them, gives them the teachable moment, and then it doesn't stop there. I love the end of the story that he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Isn't that a beautiful picture, Jesus just grabbing these kids, maybe laughing and wrestling around, tickling them, and, and just having fun, and, and just, you know, we, we look at Jesus so somber sometimes, like he's almost like depressed. He was filled with joy, and, and, and I believe that he was just right down there on those kids' level, just enjoying them, and he took them in his arms, and he blessed them. Jesus longs to bless your kids, and it reveals how personal he is, this passage of Scripture. Don't lose how personal he is. And I love that the moms entrusted their kids into his arms. Again, they knew that this was the greatest source of blessing. And he wants to minister to your children, whether young or old. Because here's a great truth. He loves them more than you do. He cares about them more than you do. And so we simply bring our children, moms, bring your children to Jesus. Make a place for him in your home and in your kids' lives. And if they're older and they're gone, pray for them and bring them to Jesus. Second passage, Luke 7. This is one of those stories that I I kind of pause and I go, this is an interesting story that why this one's in in Scripture. But again, we, we get some deep revelation, we get some deep truth about the heart of God in this story. So I'm going to read this story and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So Luke 7, 11 through 15 Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. It was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Let me repeat that again. Get this in your spirit. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. He said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the cot. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. 
He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's a powerful, powerful story and encounter that we have with Jesus. And again, why this story? Jesus did a lot of miracles that aren't recorded. Why does God want us to know this story? And the miracle is powerful, but I don't think that it's just about the miracle. First thing I love about this story, again, is verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. This shows, again, a personal side to Jesus that he was overflowing with compassion to this woman about what she was going through. Overflowing with compassion toward her, and guess what? Toward us. That's God's heart toward us. And so Jesus is revealing his heart with the story toward a mom who had lost her son and who was suffering. But here's also what he's revealing. He is revealing himself as the one who is the Lord over death itself. Jesus is bigger than death. The miracles that Jesus did to raise the dead, I believe, also reveal a greater eternal truth that we can all put our hope in. That he's the Lord over death. John 11, he says this. Remember when Lazarus died? Here's that story. And Jesus says this to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. John 11, 25 and 26 is where that's found. And so Jesus is saying, in me you don't have to worry about physical death because even though you die from this earth, you will not die because you will live with me forever because I'm the Lord over death. Remember all the, you know, Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus had just passed away. They are very troubled in their spirit about all that's going on. Jesus goes out there. There are people that are wailing and Jesus even weeps and, and we see all this stuff going on. And, and, and again, he calls Lazarus out of the grave. And it's not so much that even that the miracle that Lazarus came out, because Lazarus would again later die, but he's saying, I'm Lord over death. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about death, because death is not the final chapter to you. In Christ, you will live forever. Because I am the resurrection and the life. And you can take that promise to heart for those who have put their hope, their faith, and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior will live forever even though they die. And if the Lord tarries, we will all die an earthly death. But the awesome thing is he is Lord over death. Jesus is also revealing himself as the one who can resurrect that which has died. And that in him, we can believe for the impossible. How many of you know that? We can believe for the impossible. God can do the impossible. And again, that whether we see this as a story of physical death, or maybe it's a spiritual death. What have you suffered through? Is there something in your life that you feel there is no hope? Because this widow of Nain, her son, her only son has died, and this is... This is the very definition of loss of hope. 
But Jesus stands as not only the one that's Lord over death, but he's the Lord over your circumstances, your situations, that he can do the impossible. And maybe there's something in you. Maybe there's something inside your heart. Maybe there's something in your life that has died and you have very little hope. Maybe it's a marriage, a relationship. Again, the loss of a child, something that has deeply wounded you. Maybe you've gone through unimaginable things as a child. Maybe, you know, one of those do-overs is you wish you could have your childhood back because of what happened in your past. But Jesus stands, again, with, filled with compassion toward you, saying, I can even resurrect those things that have died in you. Moms, maybe you have a child that's far away from God and they're spiritually dead and you are hopeless and you've prayed for them and prayed for them and prayed for them and prayed for them. And you just feel hopeless because you can't help. And isn't that the worst thing to being a mom? And, and I just know this by talking to moms is that you can't do something about it. Because moms would do anything if, if you just let me know what you, I will do whatever. And in some of these situations, mom, you can't do anything except that you can come to Christ. And he hears you. Maybe you're here today and you're a, a, a woman that didn't have children or couldn't have children. We had miscarriages, those very painful realities of life. And it represents a place of hopelessness in you. Or something has died in you. Or maybe you did something that you regret. And it kind of follows you wherever you go and it represents a place of death in your heart. Jesus stands today before you with compassion. Because see, very few understand grief like a mom or who holds things like a mother. And so moms, if, if, that is some, if that's you or if you're dealing with one of those things, Jesus' heart overflows with compassion for you. It's not just for the widow of Nain. That's revealing something about his nature. That he sees you and he is filled with compassion. And that know today that he cares about the things that you're facing and he can redeem the pain, the loss, the hurt, and the shame that is on you. And he can resurrect your heart once again. I believe he des desires to heal your heart. And again, he loves your wayward child more than you do. And he sees and he knows. And he wants to walk with you through that trial. And that reveals the very personal side of God. Third one is this, John 19. Let's read it and we'll talk a little bit about it. John 19, this is Jesus on the cross and you have this exchange here again, which I think is very, very interesting. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
Now, again, if you're like me, isn't it interesting that God wants us to know this story? This could have been a private matter that Jesus dealt with between mom and John, but God wanted us to get something here, and that's why it's in Scripture. In the darkest hour of Jesus' life, as he's dying on the cross, his heart is concerned about his mom. So what does that tell you about Jesus? Is that he cares. It's the importance of motherhood to Jesus. Jesus loves moms. Even the power in which he came to the earth You know, that he became one of us, that he would come and and, and the Father would place the seed in Mary and she would conceive Christ and he was born like we are. And he had this earthly mom. Instead of just, you know, making him appear as a baby and have Mary come and, and take care of him, which would have been still, she would have been heroic in doing so. But even how he came to become one of us. Born of an actual woman, to become like us, to know us in all ways. And it's interesting that at some point, Mary became a single mom. And I think that isn't that interesting that Jesus even wanted to relate to those without a father around. That Jesus cares about single moms because Joseph was there early, but then something happened. Most likely he died. We don't know. We, 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 just, we have his parents looking for Jesus when he's about 12 in the temple. And then you fast forward where Jesus begins his earthly ministry and there's just Mary and Joseph's not around and Joseph is not mentioned. And so Jesus, even in his humanity, was part of his life, had a, a single mom. So on the cross, Jesus is still concerned, and he's ministering to others. This, again, reveals his heart. Look at what he's doing on the cross. You know, no one would have blamed him if he was just on the cross waiting to die, just suffering in agony. I mean, he had been beaten and tormented beyond anything that we could ever possibly imagine, and no one would have blamed him if he would have just hung there and just waited to go. But what do we see about the heart of Jesus? Number one is he brings salvation to one of the thieves. Remember the exchange with the thief on the cross. Remember me today when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he extended salvation to this guy on the cross. Another thing he did was he made a public proclamation to forgive his tormentors. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then we have this exchange where he reveals compassion and care for his mother. He cares about his mom. Think about what Mary endured. And and again, we get these stories from the gospel to minister to us and Mary endured more than any mom should have to, but if you are here today and you have seen your child go through rejection or 
abuse, if you've watched your child go through unimaginable things, or maybe you've lost a child, we have here Mary, we have her understanding, we have Jesus living this life, and, 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 and again, the gospel speaking to us. Remember when she and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple and Simeon was there and he prophesies over Jesus and he talks about who Jesus is and then he looks at Mary and he says, and a sword will pierce your soul. You ever think that she would have, might have been going, what, what are you talking about? I, I think she probably did. It was not all unfolded of what was going to happen. You know, she was told that he will give salvation to many, and I imagine she struggled with what all this meant, but when this was going on, and she's watching Jesus, and she's watched him flogged and, and, and torn apart, and then she's watching him on the cross, I bet you that she flashed back and remembered Simeon's word that a sword will pierce your soul, because this was that sword, and she saw Jesus rejected. She saw him despised. She saw him beaten and mocked and crucified. And then she watched him die. So again, moms, whatever you're facing, God sees and he understands. So that moment on the cross, Jesus was concerned about the care of his mother of all things. Isn't that amazing? We don't know why he chose John. <clears throat> He and John were very close. I mean, John even describes himself, and I love John's boldness, you know, in the Gospel of John. What does he call himself? The beloved disciple. The one who Jesus loves. I mean, he, he says that about himself. I love that. He said there was, you know, he tell a story, and then there was, he writes it. There was Peter, and then there was the disciple that Jesus loved. This guy. You know, that, that's what he's doing. And I, I, I love that about him. And maybe they were very, very close, and and, and that's why Jesus chose John, because Jesus had siblings. And the, the obvious thought was, why wouldn't they take care of, of the mom? You know, Paul told Timothy, you know, when he's talking about widows, he makes a differentiation between, he said, those are widows indeed, and then there's, uh, widows indeed are, they don't have anyone. But he said, if a widow has family and they don't take care of her. You know what Paul says to Timothy about that? If you've ever read that? Pretty sobering. He says, if you have family members and they're not taken care of, because that's the first line. He said, they're worse than an unbeliever. And so Jesus has siblings and we don't know, you know, maybe, maybe they weren't around, maybe they, they moved or they were unwilling to care for her. We don't know, but Jesus chooses John. And he says, woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, John knew what he's talking about. He says he took her into his home. So again, I believe Jesus was revealing the importance of taking care of our moms. I don't think you have to look beyond anything super spiritual there. I believe he's saying we need to take care of our mothers. We need to take care of our natural moms and our spiritual moms. Because I think it's amazing that this is one of the issues that's on the heart of Jesus as he's on the cross is I need to make sure my mom's going to be okay. I need to make sure my mom's going to be taken care of.
And so that, and that's also a command in Scripture that we should care for our moms. We should care for our natural moms and our spiritual moms. Moms, today, I want to encourage you again that you are so important to God. Jesus deeply loves you, and he loves what you do as a mom. Your calling is a high calling. You may be hidden, and the things that you do and the value of the things that you do may be hidden and not on display because a lot of what a mom does is not on display. It's like the mom's overture that we began, you know, which is all every day, those things, those, the monotonous day-to-day things. But God sees. Spiritual moms, again, moms in the house. And it's not just older ladies. It's just moms in the house. We need you. We need your love. We need your care. We need your training. We need your mentoring to the next generation. Because we're truly seeing before us, and we all see it the numbers that are out there, we are seeing before us a generation of motherless and fatherless young people that are coming up. Now, that doesn't mean that, that they all don't have a mom or dad around, but it could mean that they have a mom or dad there and, they, and, and they're there but not there, if you know what I mean. And I believe this is an opportunity for the church to be able to reach into the next generation. This is why that's a, so much a part of the vision and the mission here, is to reach to the next generation and father them and mother them, to raise them up and to encourage them and to help train them. Jesus loves moms. And in these three stories, I want you to catch again the heart of Christ to you moms today that you can bring your kids to Jesus to let him bless them because he loves them. You can bring your hopeless, impossible circumstance to Jesus like the widow of Nain. And if there's something that that has died, Jesus can resurrect it. And then thirdly, of just knowing that Jesus simply cares about mothers. He cared about his own mother, and so that reveals something deep in the care of his heart. But as we close today, I want to pray for our moms. I'm going to definitely do that and pray a blessing over our moms, but I want to pause here, encourage kids, dads, husbands today. Bless the moms. Bless them today. Bless them in words and in deed, in action. But don't just bless them today. Bless them regularly. Bless them regularly. Tell them how valuable they are and show them how valuable they are. Let's pray. And if there's a mom next to you, why don't you lay your hand on her shoulder and we're going to pray a blessing over our moms and close today. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the revelation of moms in the gospel and that through how you care through your heart that you reveal the gospel through these stories of moms that you came and you were that you engaged while you were on the earth and lord i thank you that today you love all the moms that are here today you love them deeply you care about them and i pray god today Lord, as you look down and you see these mothers, you see 
Lord, all kinds of things. You, and you look with compassion. You see some of the hurt. You do see the regret. You see the moms that are, even when I talked about do-over, they probably started the list on their own. God, you see all that. And I pray, God, that you would heal, restore. And I pray that shame would go away. I pray that they would receive your new, new mercies today that you offer. Lord, I pray, God, for those who maybe are just spiritual moms. They couldn't have kids. Lord, that you would reach down and you would heal their heart and allow them to know that they are still a mom in the house of God. Pray for those who have wayward children who are maybe far away from you and moms here who are very worried. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bring great peace, that you love those children even more than they do. And Lord, I do pray, God, your greatest blessing over each mom here, Lord, that as they go from here, God, that they would know how cherished and how loved they are, that even, Lord, the story of you on the cross as you looked at your mom, that how much you care about moms. So, Lord, I pray your blessing over them today, and I pray for the rest of us that we would bless our moms and encourage them in word and in action. And, Lord, again, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your heart today. We thank you for your love today, and we thank you that we get to see you even in the story of motherhood. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.